Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. I've still got that silly cold, so you're going to have to put up with my voice. I'm sorry about that. Today we're going to share the experience of Lorraine from Enderf.org. She says, When I left my body, I was several inches above it, and it took me a few moments to understand. I began to slowly rise, and then entered the path of light that was coming through the window, which seemed to show an outline of my body, and I was worried they may see it. I realized I was dead, as I looked down on my body on the bed. I realized that all the experiences of Lorraine were left behind in her mind, and that I was something separate. I thought about my funeral and how people would react, that my parents would be upset, but that was okay as pain was something that was natural and that they would simply have to live through and accept. These people were my earthly parents. The connection had to be, or had been left behind. I rose through the house and above the roofs, and I could see into people's back gardens. Sometime after I had returned, I had planned to put a note through people's doors to tell them what I had seen in their homes. I rose higher, had a, an aerial view of the surroundings, and imagined a police car turning up to the house to discover my body. I then entered some other dimension and was greeted by people who I feel were my relatives, or at least were absolutely overjoyed to see me and greeted me with overwhelming love. I had a split-second recollection of being then surrounded by the most beautiful living light, which breathed and surrounded me with unimaginable love. I was told I had to return, and this caused me terrible emotional pain to have gone or to have to go back to my life and that room again. In order to give me strength, I was shown my future from the point of return all through my entire life. It was flashed across the sky, and I was living and experiencing every moment of it right up until my death. There were years and years of terrible pain. I couldn't believe it went on for so long. But slowly it began to lessen, and then to level out, and then slowly good feelings and events began to happen, and they got better and better until my future was full of wonderful happy experiences, feelings, and events. I then found myself back in my body. I could hear one of the men sounding worried and saying that I could get off the bed. He said it several times until I finally registered that I was back. I felt that I was in hell. I had experienced hell, then heaven, then returned to hell again, all in a space of an hour or so. They showed me the door after telling me not to tell anyone, but I couldn't believe They had even had to ask me. 
I felt so contaminated and poisoned that I felt I was one of them. I didn't want to live or leave the house, but they showed me the door. I went home and didn't tell anyone, and in a very short space of time, I lost faith in what I was shown and instead believed that God was cruelly torturing me and that I had done something terrible. We used to say prayers every day in school, and I can remember looking at all the other children in class, remembering how I had been one of them, not really believing that there was really anything beyond, but knowing now that there was, and that they were all in ignorance of this knowledge. I remember looking in the mirror at my face and my body and realizing I was just a shell, or it was just a shell, and that I was a spirit. Within the space of approximately three months, I had managed to remove all memory of the attack and the near-death experience from conscious knowledge. That is the end of the account. And just to clarify a couple of things, it does say in the notes uh, later, um, a little bit more detail, that uh, Lorraine was a kid at the time that this happened, and she was criminally attacked. And it, she doesn't give a lot of detail um, other than to say um, that she was suffocating and she was held against her will by two men in their home. And uh, so that's where it... Uh, that, that's the situation of her death. I mean, horrible experience. Who, who, who can imagine going through something so terrible? And yet, I've heard a lot of experiencers um, have this kind of near-death experience of leaving their body and being in, in this joyful, loving, you know, spirit world during an attack. And I wonder if sometimes that's a mercy from the other side to be released from the suffering during, you know, the torture that's going on, whatever that be, um, to have something special to uh, bring back. And yet, it's not all great either. I mean, she describes saying that she'd been in hell on earth, and then going to heaven, and then having to come back to the hell on earth. I mean, that's that's... That's rough. And yet now, looking back on it, after she's finally able to um, really process it, because it sounds like she didn't process it well at the time, but now she's processing it, and it is apparently a great comfort to her now. And she does say in the notes later that she did have many years of suffering, but that she has, has a wonderful life now. Or, or at least that she's come out of that suffering time. But let's go through the experience a little bit, because knowing the context of her death here, it being a brutal attack, um, uh, some of it makes a little more sense than it, it may have you know, sounded at first. For example, um, when she first sees this light coming through the window, which seemed to show an outline of my body, and, and uh, which seemed to show an outline of my body, and I was worried they may see it. So it sounds like, uh, you know, she's worried about the guys knowing about this and seeing, e either seeing her body 
or seeing the light where she can escape or whatever. Um, but then she says, I realized I was dead. And as I looked down on my body on the bed, I realized that all of the experiences of Lorraine were left behind in her mind and that I was something separate. You know, when I first read that, I was kind of like, well, but don't we carry our our memories of life on, you know, our experiences of growth and so forth with us? And it sounds like what she seems to be saying is all these terrible experiences that she's just been through, that's part of the, that's the part of Lorraine that is being left behind that are, that, that's part of the body and the suffering of the flesh and now she can leave it behind and and be that separate individual who is not part of that and can leave it so it, it kind of makes more sense um, with that context and uh, she thought about how people would react to her funeral her parents would be upset but you know pain was something natural and then it was something that we have to live through and accept and so forth all of this in the spirit form made more sense and she and she was able to accept it in that sense. And so she leaves behind her family and so forth, who are still on the earth. And um, and then she sees down, and she's floating over houses, and she can see into people's back gardens, which is interesting. And as a kid, probably, you know, she says sometime after, I made a plan to put a note on people's doors telling them what I'd seen in their homes, and yet, she probably never did simply because she knew she'd have to explain how she knew, you know, were you snooping around in our backyard? No, no, I died. And well, how did you die? Well, well, um, and she did, you know, like she'd said, she didn't tell anybody about what had happened, which is unfortunate, but, uh, um, that's probably why she never went through with her plan. And then she says, I rose higher, had an aerial view of my surroundings, and imagined a police car turning up to the house to discover my body. Now, I'm not sure what to make of that when she says, imagined a police car turning up to the house to discover my body. Because as far as I can tell from the experience uh, later, when she comes back, I don't think there's a police car involved. But she imagines a police car coming to discover her body. And maybe that's how they would know that she had died. Um, but since she says it's imagined, it doesn't imply that she saw that. I, you know, I don't know. Anyway, then she finds herself in this beautiful dimension of, with relatives, the uh, people who greeted her with overwhelming love and surrounded by living light which she says breathed and surrounded me with unimaginable love. Breathed. Interesting. I was told I had to return, and this caused me terrible pain. I mean, can you imagine having gone through that, being told you got to go back? I mean, it's hard enough for people who just, you know, a car accident or whatever, and they've got to go back. And, and they're like, I don't want to go back there, you know, but... Wow, in her situation, that's that's rough. And when she did come back, um, it sounds like the mortal anger kicked in, that mortal sensation of wanting to, you know, 
get back at God in some way by hating him for a time. Um, I think that seems to be a mortal temptation, not something that spirits experience because I've just not heard of it from a spirit side. It's always when they come back and, and they're in their body in pain and suffering and they're like, ah! And so, um, and then she describes later having prayers in school. Um, I would assume then that this is a religious school or something, but um, as they're having prayers, she remembers looking around with the other kids and remembering that sensation of um, being one of them and not really believing that there really was anything, but this is what we do for the sake of kids and whatever. And yet, now she knows. She knows that he's there. And she remembers looking in the mirror, seeing her body and realizing it was just a shell and that she was a spirit. Interesting. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either purchasing my book, Life in the Spirit World, which is available on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org, or by going to patreon.com slash ndecast and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor. You can also contact the podcast either to share a comment, ask a question, or to share your own near-death experience by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. And once again, thank you all of you so much for listening.